Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. And you are joined this morning by myself, Lawson, and sitting across from me, my good friend, Brett. Brett, how are you? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for for announcing your return. I, and I've a, come back in a yeah. in a in a manner in a fashion that is, I think, appropriate of uh, of yeah, yeah. How how we're feeling? Yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. How have you Happy been be back. over the last couple? Of yeah, days? really good. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, just kicking goals as you'd say. Ah, just, absolutely. Yeah, mainly just hanging out with the kids. Yeah, trying to get myself ready for uni. I'm starting oh, back soon, so true, true, getting true. myself into gear, looking at all my stuff. Yeah, getting daunted by my assignments and my calendar. Yeah, oh, just that sort of stuff. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, same, <laughs> same, uh, same activities for mm. myself as well. I actually moved room yesterday in the dormitory. I was on the bottom floor, and now I've moved to the top floor. Mm. Uh, and now I get to do some good exercise every day because mm. we don't have an elevator in our dormitory. Not that Ooh. we need one. It's like three floors, like ground. Oh, there's like a basement, then ground, yeah. then first floor, then second floor. Uh, it was just tough yesterday, like carrying all my stuff up to the top. I was, but you know, mm. I was like, man, this is this is good for me. This yeah. is this is some exercise. Some this is cardio. nice. And I've gone from an area that's like incredibly secluded. Like I was mm. right at the end of a hallway, like end on a wing where there's not many people as well. Mm. Now I'm like next to the stairs at on the top floor in the middle of a bunch of people. Which nice. so it's the question is like, will it be beneficial? For you know, there's like my social health and also my study life. There's, <laughs> there's like there's a, there's a balance there, yeah. and I've I can imagine down the end of the dark corridor, you had a bit more sort of privacy to get that's your study right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, whereas you know now less so, but you know you can always just <laughs> lock the door. Like that's true. I'm 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 pretty good at that. Just shutting the door and locking it and keeping mm. people out if I really need to. But but yeah, no, it's good. We're preparing for uni. Mm. About to begin. Uh, a lot of other universities across Australia have started. Well, coming up in today's news, we're going to be talking about China. We're going to be mm. talking about Papua New Guinea. We're going to be talking about monkeys. Yeah, research and animal species. We've even got like funny depictions of Mars. Oh, amazing. We're going to continue our Bible study in the Psalms. And we're going to have our good friend Aaron on the mic mm. for an interview as well. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joined by myself, Lawson, good friend Brett in mm-hmm. the studio as well as a part of our rotation. You know, we, mm. we get people in here. You do, you do Mondays and Thursdays mostly. Yep. Monday you know, and, and Thursday, and we're stoked. We're stoked for that another Thursday morning with mm. Brett, and also we've got DJ Rach as well, who is joining us in the studio as well. It's mm. it's good that we've uh, we've we've moved to a more central location with our studio. We've been mm. able to expand our working force, which is which is great. Mm. Which is I I'm I'm. I'm stoked for because you know like me and shell we're best buds me and producer shell we yeah. spent so much time together but you know you know when you like just need a break from someone yeah nah just kidding i'm just joking around <laughs> you're listening to the breakfast show this morning let's have our next oh our first quiz question yeah, first i should one. say question one in order to keep seed alive on the earth god sent what animal type onto the ark by sevens Ah. So, oh, instead of the two by two, we've got by sevens here. Mm. So once again, in order to keep seed alive on the earth, God sent what animal type onto the ark by sevens? 
Interesting. If you know the answer to this one, 0491-064-669 is the number to text. Of course, our prize for this week, we have Food as Medicine. Tell us mm. about it, Brett. Yeah, so this is actually, this, this is one of the best cookbooks in the world. It was actually awarded um, the best health and nutrition cookbook in the world for 2017 at the prestigious Gourmand World Cookbook Awards, mm. which is pretty It's a cool. world champion cookbook. It is a world what champion cookbook. What more could cookbook. you ask for? It's, yeah. It's all, but it's also, it's a world champion cookbook that isn't like, hey guys, you need bacon and cheese and mm. butter. It's like, no, you need vegetables and it tells you how to make them really tasty yeah. and healthy and amazing. Which is pretty awesome. And like, this, it's a pretty big book too. It's 400 pages. So you yeah. could also use it as like world champion shot book practice or something <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, mainly. A discus <laughs> or anything. Um, but in all seriousness, it's got 150 plant-based recipes that are specifically developed for health-promoting properties. Yeah, so amazing. get a hold of this, guys. It is good stuff. That's right. Again, that question was, in order to keep seed alive on the earth, God sent what? Animal type onto the ark by sevens. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to text if you know the answer to that one. And you want to get in for this book? Hey, Brett. What is happening in the world of positively different news this morning? Well, uh, a bit of news from Myanmar, actually. Oh, um, okay. I, I, that's I positive. On, that's, not, that's good to hear. Yeah, well, as you know, probably Myanmar's in a pretty rough situation yeah. at the moment. There's a civil war. You know, it mm. was an emerging democracy, but... Um, yeah, things started falling apart. There was a military coup, and now that military coup is losing ground. Things are rough over there. Mm. Factions are popping up all over the place. A new country has declared itself. It's all sort of chaos. Mm. But that's not what I'm going to focus on. Um, whenever I come on the show, Lawson, I notice that I seem to talk a lot about animals. That's never my intention, but there's some cool stuff going animals on here. Animals are cool, man. And in this case, in amongst all this chaos, um, mm. there's been some new populations of the endangered Skywalker gibbon. Uh-huh. Um, which have been rediscovered. So the Skywalker gibbon was presumed to be nearly extinct. Uh-huh. Um, it, it was pretty much gone. I, I think, mm. Sky, first of all, pretty cool name, right? Yeah. Like Skywalker gibbon. Like Absolutely. I, what, what did the um, scientists say when they discover him? Like, you know, Luke, I am your <laughs> discoverer. I don't know. Like, I don't know. But the Skywalker gibbon <laughs> yeah. is, is a pretty cool concept. Um, That's awesome. But, yeah, these things were estimated at only having 150 mm. Um, in their population in wow. 2017, okay. and Incredibly that was seeming to go downhill. Yeah, mm. so like this is critically endangered. Um, however, by exploring some of these areas in Myanmar, especially Kachin and the Shan states, um, they've managed to find 44 new groups of Skywalker gibbons mm. of similar size. So we've actually upped the population significantly. They're, they're still out there. They're still lurking, which is pretty awesome. Mm. You know, so in amongst all of the chaos and sadness and tragedy happening in Myanmar, there's a little bit of light, which this nearly extinct species is, is either making a comeback or there's been more communities discovered. Is this comeback because of human intervention? Are they enabling them, you know, to have a better scenario or situation or circumstances? Or no. is this just... In this case, it doesn't seem to be. In fact, like efforts to do that have been pretty challenging because of the mm. political situation. They're trying to call for more conservation efforts from Myanmar. Of course, that remains to be seen how well that will happen. Like, obviously, the Myanmar government has other priorities right now, to put it bluntly. Um, mm. But... Yeah, there's certainly the fact that there's been more populations discovered in some of these remote areas that have been untouched by the war and everything else going on. That's a good sign. And certainly there's calls for both the Chinese government, because a lot of these communities were on the border with China, um, and the various arms, I guess, of the Myanmar government, if you can call it that at the moment. It's sort of factionally split. Mm. Um, there's calls to uh, get back on board with that conservation stuff. So 
you know, pretty good news overall. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this, this, yeah, it's always good when something nearly extinct makes a bit of a comeback. You yeah. Know? And, you know, there's always the hope as well. Like, conservation is, I think, well, it should be, you know, there are some conservationists who are taking, you know, conservationism to an extreme and laying mm. on roads and streets and gluing themselves to the floor yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, but usually it's a peaceful endeavor. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, in a place of such human t- turmoil and divisions and barriers, it can in some way or some sense bring yeah. people together. Even if there's efforts just to protect them, you know, I don't yeah. know if gluing yourself to roads is going to help much in this yeah. case, but, you know. That's right. Yeah, there's. There's some things that can be done, which is good. Absolutely. Um, we've also got news from Australia about some different frogs. Mm-hmm. So um, this is a discovery of, again, some endangered species. Um, basically, there were these guys who discovered, uh, led by a guy named Matt West, Dr. Matt West, um, discovered 26, um, 26 critically endangered spotted tree frogs in northeast Victoria. Oh, wow. So these had lost a, a bit over half their habitat in the Black mm. Summer bushfires. So they were already endangered, and then the fires hit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a bit of tragedy here. But um, luckily, they've got a breeding po- program on board, mm-hmm. and they've actually managed to release 70 frogs back into the wild. Oh, so that's, so good. that's really good, you know, that these species. It, it's slow start. It's it's We're just sort of getting there with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this population is recovering again, which is mm-hmm. good for endangered species, especially endangered species who were then hit with fires. Yeah. Yeah, and also like some local frogs as well, some nice local frogs. Because the Sydney wine, I'm, I know they're not frogs, but mm. I hear the word frog, and then I think of the cane toads, and I think of the north, and yeah. I think of you know <laughs> the tragedy that you know that that has been to the environment up there. Mm. So it's good to hear about some native yeah. frogs well, that's it, who that's are nice. doing well, mm. uh, and despite obviously you know their circumstances and they've they've uh, yeah been drastically affected by yeah. by the fires and whatnot. But yeah, they're on the comeback. Yeah, getting so- it done. Yeah, it's a pretty small story, that one. But overall, that's great news, you know, mm. that like it's internal sort of breeding programs in this case. But yeah, we're releasing them back into the wild. We're getting things moving. Mm. And uh, the last story today is a bit of an amusing one. And anyone listening at home, like obviously not if you're driving, but anyone listening at home, I encourage you to Google this one because you okay. kind of need a picture to appreciate it. Uh, but basically, um, there was a... Of an eclipse recently that the Perseverance rover on Mars recorded, mm-hmm. and it was like the, the one of the Martian moons, the moon of Phobos, actually managed to cross in front of the sun mm-hmm. uh, from Mars. It looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they took sixty-eight pictures, and um, you know the idea was, wow, we're getting a picture of an eclipse from Mars. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. However, the internet kind of went crazy with it because the eclipse just happens to look like a googly eye. Oh. It looks like a googly eye. Yeah. I'll show you a picture here in the studio, Lawson. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Check it out. It just looks like the googly eyes emoji. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How good is that? (laughs) I'm showing our producers as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like pretty small story, pretty minor story here, but how good, first of all, that we've got the technology to capture Martian eclipses. Mm -hmm. But I think something always... I find endearing about the human character is how we mm. sometimes take things and run with it. And just like our, our takeaway from this is a, at least an internet consciousness has been, ooh, googly eyes. Yeah. Oh, how good. ooh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, uh, I, you know, I love that. You know, being, being able to spin anything in a joke as, as a joke, I'm, I'm super into it. Mm. Absolutely. So yeah, no, this is, this is good. This is, this is a, a hallmark of my generation, uh, being a part of it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are going to have our next quiz question. Yeah, number two. Elijah told Ahab to get up and eat and drink because there was a sound of what? 
Ah. So the prophet Elijah, active in Israel in the reign of Ahab, who was the king. Yeah. Uh, Elijah told Ahab to get up and eat and drink because there was a sound of what? Mm. Firstly, epic story. Secondly, mm. this is connected to one of my favorite hymns of all. All time, and I can't say the title Ooh. because it'll give it away straight away. <laughs> but hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to text. What's our prize for this week? Bro? Well, yeah, it's Food as Medicine by Sue Rad, and I assure you, just like the author's surname, this is a rad book. Mm-hmm. Like th- this book is a really <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do a pun. No, there. no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling it's, it. It's yeah, 150 plant-based recipes developed specifically for health-promoting properties. So this is like and amazing taste appeal for that matter. So this is a book that has all these recipes specifically designed to be healthy and tasty. Like, mm. get a hold of it, guys. Why not? It is a good buy. Or a good win in this case. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to buy anything here. We're giving it to you for free. This expensive, amazing, heavy book. Mm. We're giving it to you absolutely for free. Again, Mm. that number, 0491-064-669. And that question, Elijah told Ahab to get up and eat and drink because there was a sound of what? What Mm. was there a sound of? If you know, 0491-064-669. Nine. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning here on Faith FM, and we're going to do a checkup with China, and, you know, see, mm. see the Chinese checkup. We're seeing what's happening <laughs> over there, and as usual, you know, the country is consistently moving towards, in, in the religious space, mm. the persecution of Christianity. Now, there has been widespread persecution of Christianity in China forever, you know, it's, and it really started with the Cultural Revolution mm. that took place over there and the full embrace of communism, but the persecution of Christianity has kind of phased in and out, at least in, say, the early 2000s at the time when China was opening up and expanding and mm. open to more foreigners coming over and whatnot, even though, you know, there's lots of foreigners in China mm. now, but it's uh, at that time, you know, it was very loose on the reins in regards to its thoughts about Christianity, but now mm. more so, more and more, the, the persecution towards Christianity is continuing, and it's really happening in in a very personal sense for people, if you're involved in, you know, if you're a pastor of church and whatnot that is claimed to be an unrecognized or illegal gathering, mm. and the reason it's illegal is just because it's not approved by the government. You know, people are thrown in jail for that. The concept of mm. having a house o- church over there is met with thoughts of, okay, I'm putting my life and my livelihood and mm. my freedom on the line for doing so if you were to lead out a bible study group or yeah. a church group or whatever it may be scary but now it's more like as well as that an ident- I christian identity has become a big focus for the chinese government and, f- mm. and in regards to chinese persecution now when it comes to you, you could identify as christian but you know not have any involvement in any kinds of church activities mm. or whatever but because of that identity um, they're bringing all kinds of difficulties to people who go that way. Uh, for example, um, if parents or grandparents refuse to cooperate in making children renounce their faith, um, then their job security is jeopardized. Mm. Uh, and, you know, there are cases showing that grandparents are losing access to public health and welfare and whatnot you yeah. know, uh, because they haven't dissuaded their children to leave you know, well, dissuaded their children from Christianity. It's all tied into that social credit system. Like That's what right. You are who your friends are, who your family are, and you've got to keep them accountable. Mm. Scary stuff. Absolutely. And they're really putting it on the families to report 
there you know if if a if a ccp spy or mm. you know a, an official or whatever finds out that you are christian and then mm. finds out that your parents and whatnot knew that you were christian and didn't report it then like and, and especially in cases where their children aren't you know i guess all the, the parents the, the children are converts to the faith and the mm. parents aren't necessarily practicing if they find out that the parents didn't uh you know, try to dissuade or mm. or report the fact that they were Christian, then they will lose their own you know social credit and livelihood mm-hmm. and whatnot. So it's quite widespread in terms of the effects in one's personal life. You mm. know, and does and, it include like the the state approved churches, or is this only the ones that are? Like, yeah, well, the obviously like state state churches have and mm. practicing at state churches has been approved, mm. but. Something to really clearly understand about practicing at state churches is the, is the limitation of their practice. Mm. Proselytizing, in a lot of cases, is illegal. Yeah, and so to be a part of a state church, to mm. be and and also I have to say as well, and this is from my experience, you know, communicating with Chinese people and talking to mm. Chinese people and having mm. Chinese friends, like they, you know, in some places it's better than others just because of the the ability to monitor, right? Like mm. if you live in a big capital city where they have ample ability to monitor uh, because of the resource and, and whatnot that are put into mm. those areas, uh, then it is much more difficult. Whereas outside of some, some of the bigger capital cities, you know, if you go out into the country and some smaller towns mm. and whatnot, it is a bit easier to practice. And also as well, the functions of state churches outside of those big capital cities, mm. like you can be a state approved church, but then also, you know, be proselytizing, be sharing mm. your faith with people. And uh, yeah. yeah, there's less backlash Whereas there's a real focus in China of like, yeah, you can be a part of the state-approved church. Mm. Um, you can be a part of the underground church and just be constantly persecuted, mm. constantly harassed. Or you can be a part of the state-approved church and like do nothing yeah. about what you believe. And and that's really the difficulty that they're finding yeah. over there. And so it's definitely a place to pray for. Now, on the other hand, you know, if we really turn the page and we look mm. uh, a little bit more closer to home to Papua New Guinea, they are set to become a Christian nation, uh, mm. to be put into their constitu- constitution, uh, that they are, they are Christian. You know, 96% of their population is Christian. Mm. Their current sitting president or prime minister is a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Mm. Like, this is a deeply Christian and, well, I would say spiritual place, mm. uh, again, with 96% identifying as Christian. And whenever mm. I see stuff like this, I think, well, one, on one hand, I'm like, I see the positives because I'm a Christian and mm. I believe that, you know, and particularly regarding morality in their constitution, this was the big thing that was put mm. forth in this change, that in this bill that's going to be passed is, is that, hey, you know, we want, whenever we set certain goals for our country, we want mm. a Christianized aspect to it, you know, whether it's to do with morality or whether it's to do with identity, some kind of Christian aspect to be mm. going along with that. Now, I simultaneously, when I think of the concept of church and state, I get worried. Mm. With this bill, there isn't a push for the advocating of a certain church, you know, to mm. be That's partnered with the state, which is which is great. It's more just the identity as Christians, you know, that, to really identify that. Mm. And then simultaneously, the promise is, if they're going to identify as a Christian nation, to also draw up um, protections for non-Christian people Mm. within PNG. So there will be a national religious bill going along with that as well. Mm. But my next thought is it's like, okay, if they're endeavoring to do this, I just to be sure, like what does persecution 
for non-Christians? Is is there a, prof- a heavy profile of persecution for non-Christians in mm. Papua New Guinea? And the case is mostly not in some rural areas where indigenous religion is practiced, and particularly like the mm. indigenous religion practiced in Papua New Guinea is literally witchcraft yeah. like like voodoo witchcraft you know and yeah, well. and if they had the opportunity and the ability like sacrificing children and cannibalism like mm. because that and i'm not saying that to make a stereotype mm. that is just literally the case yeah, like, up in those really remote parts that's right like yeah. cannibalism was renowned in papua new guinea mm. up until the christianization of it as a country yeah you know? and you hear all the stories of missionaries going there like a hundred years ago and and you know, being in amongst the cannibals and God saving them, you know, like literally like it's, that takes God. It's crazy. Uh, There has been some violence against non-Christian, well, particularly indigenous religious individuals who have Mm. been accused of practicing witchcraft. But Mm. this violence was not government led or sponsored. It was very much individual. And the government immediately denounced the violence. Mm. They said, Hey, despite what these guys are doing, you know, if they're committing crimes, like if they're killing people and eating them, like Mm. that's wrong. But, um, you know, despite their faith, they, you know, there's no, re- it's totally unacceptable to commit violence against them. So mm. as it seems, this is a good step for PNG and definitely, you know, as a Christian, I think, and th- this is the side that I really, I really like to see in a, in a, mm. in a moral sense. It's like to identify as Christian in a moral sense is yeah. so positive for a country because I, I think that, yeah, the foundations of Christian and, you know, the, the mm. popular term used by people, Judeo-Christian values mm. is so beneficial for a country and it's ultimately you know we can definitely see that it has led the west to flourish yeah. by embracing and adopting those morals and values yeah absolutely you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different we're joined by myself lawson we've got brett in the studio as okay. well and my good friend aaron has just come up to the mic but before before we before we get on to you we will have our first well not our first our third i should say mm. quiz question yeah no, work on the maths there lawson we're getting there up to number three um when paul and the others were shipwrecked on the island of malta who showed them kindness and lit them a fire because of the cold and the rain so when paul and the others were shipwrecked on the island of malta just south of Italy, who showed them kindness and lit them a fire because of the cold and the rain. When you were saying that, I was just, you know, briefly looking at my computer, you know, just just getting ready for this yeah. you know, segment and whatnot. And I thought you said lit them on fire. I'm like, that is not no, no, kind. No. Lit them uh, a fire? No, just... they lit them a fire. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. If, if you know who it was, 0491 is the number to text. Mm-hmm. And we have an amazing price for yeah. this week, Food as Medicine. Food as Medicine by Sue Rads. Some awesome healthy recipes. Get a hold of this one, guys. Every answer gets you an entry in the draw. So, absolutely, the correct answer. Again, when Paul and the others were shipwrecked on Malta, who showed them kindness and lit them a fire because mm. of the cold and the rain? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. As I said, you are joined this morning. Myself, Lawson, you got Brett as mm. well, and our friend Aaron has joined us on the mic. This is a bit of a. This feels like a theology classroom, right? Yeah, mm. guys, we are. This feels like a group project or something. You know, we're we're lining up to do. We are. We're all th- theology students here at Avondale College, and but. The focus this morning is on you, Aaron, mm. and your story and where you're from and, and whatnot. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Um, just doing uh, ministry and theology yeah. uh, at the moment. Um, 
Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster so far, but it's uh, a worthy roller coaster. Yeah, mm. and also, you know, I I see your wife most days in the conference office as well, yeah. working for the church. Yeah, tucked Do- away in the corner there. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So you guys are down here in the Kurumbong area, living your best lives. Um, yeah, you know, godly aspirations. You know, supporting mm. the church and and working in those spaces, and and for yourself, studying to be a minister. That's amazing. Yeah. And now the question is for us this morning. Well. How did you get here? How did you get to this point? Mm. And I guess you can start by giving us a bit of a background of you know where you're from. You know what was yep. your circumstances like growing up, and yeah, yeah no let's worries. go from there. Uh, look, I was born uh, about three hours southwest of here in okay. Goulburn. Okay, yeah, um, one of the one of the coldest places. Yeah, about. yeah, I Seriously. think it was like minus twelve this past winter. Uh, wow. Out there. Yeah, was, um, just thinking about my old man. He used to get up at four a.m. and and go and do the the farm routes out there, and I wow. still had well, no idea how we did it. Um, but yeah, it's built different. That's oh crazy. yeah, those yeah. country folks. Yeah, they're, they're something something else. Very yeah. hardy, hardy people. But um, mm-hmm. I left uh, left there when I was five. Uh, we moved me, my mum and my sisters. We all moved to Queensland, sunny mm. Queensland. Oh, okay, uh, very very drastic shift in scenery. It was. It was. It was. Uh, we moved to. A, I grew up in a place called Logan City. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, uh, I grew up in two places, Woodridge and, and Marsden, um, mm. out there. Um, then spent, uh, most of my life, uh, out there, 30 mm. something years up there. Yeah. Amazing. So you've moved up to Logan. I- I'd love to know what was your faith kind of profile? Like what kind of background did you come from? Oh, uh, well, uh, my mum's side are a clerical, uh, uh what do you call it? A, um, Anglican. Family, yes. A Methodist family. Mm-hmm. So my mum's side were involved in the, uh, we're priests in the Anglican Church back in in England, mm. um, so we were. Mum's side was very much the the Church of England at that mm. time, but she became a Jehovah's Witness in 1994. Okay, so I was mm. actually brought up uh, J Dub up until mm. I was about 16. Yeah, mm. and um, yeah, it was. It's it's an interesting sort of dynamic being being a, a J Dub at that time, especially in the early 90s, because it was it was just very. You know, very uh, direct, standard. You know, very, yeah. very boxed in mm, kind yeah. of uh, at that time. Um, but Mum became uh, SDA in what was it, two thousand and two? I think it was mm-hmm. two thousand and two, mm-hmm. and it sort of set us on the track that that we're on now. Okay, incredible. So, in terms of yourself, you know, your mum goes through this conversion experience, and obviously through that, she's seeking the Lord. Yeah. She's seeking mm-hmm. the Lord. She's trying to find the truth. She's trying to find where God is speaking, and what did your, you know, journey in comparison yeah, look well, like at the time? My my mum and I. The reason I brought up my mum is because my my mum and I were very very close, mm. and so whatever my mum did, I did. Mm-hmm. So I was very diehard J Dub. So mm. that's why I bring that up um, because my worldview was shaped by whatever they taught, mm. and um, I was only very young. You know, I I, I believe sincerely that I, I was we were doing the right thing, and. Mm. Um, you know, but when we became SDA, it was like my my shift on how I understood God changed dramatically. Yeah, wow. Mm. So um, I didn't see him as a as a thing anymore. Like when when I was growing up, it was like he was there. I knew that he was you know around, but it was mm. when I started reading scripture for myself and stuff like that, everything sort of opened up really quickly. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, we. we here at Faith FM, uh, our station is is owned and run by the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and so you know we 
of you know going that way mm. uh, theologically and you know ad- identifying as that as well. And yeah. I can I can testify to that experience. And I think Brett as well. Mm. Like we both come from non Christian backgrounds, yeah, sort of agnostic spaces. That, yeah, that's yeah. right. And and for us, like that experience of becoming Christian and, and particularly becoming SDA and that encouragement to get into the word of God yeah. mm-hmm. um, to not only like find out what's true and make a true identification of what to believe, mm. but further nor- furthermore, because we believe that the Bible is the revelation of Christ yeah. mm. and that through reading the Bible, we actually connect with him. And so you're having this experience connecting with God through the Bible in terms of your personal life at that time. Was it smooth sailing? Oh, was goodness, it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was, uh, I, my stepfather at the time, he was a former Hells Angel. So I grew up in wow. a very disciplined, uh, not disciplined, gosh, it wasn't disciplined home. It was a disciplinarian mm. home. So mm. I, I was the personal boxing bag for about 12, 13 oh, wow. years. Okay. Um, on and off. Uh, so I, be, I became a very, very angry young man. Mm. Um, where I grew up, uh, the environment that I grew up, you as a young fella, you sort of get pushed into certain corners. Yeah. And the corner that I got pushed into was a... Um, you know the the gang the gang yeah thing. okay mm. and so because I didn't like my stepfather my mum and him were together for fourteen years and I never spoke to him in fourteen mm. years maybe wow. on and off maybe once or twice when my mum was sick or whatever but I never spoke to him so I didn't have any uh, positive male role models in my mm, life sure. so I went searching for it um, and much to my extreme detriment because because I was so angry. Mm. Um, you know, it, 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 there was a lot of violence uh, yeah. at, at that at that time. Mm. Absolutely. So you are coming from a Christian background. You know, you you understand. I think you intellectually know that there is God and there is truth and whatnot. But in your personal mm. experience, and especially as a young person, when you're so impressionable and just looking for identity and looking and and not just I, you know, I think we find identity in the church. Uh, but in your case, like an identity that really sticks and isn't well, literally hurting you. Mm. And unfortunately, yeah, you find that in the wrong places, you know, mm. yeah. amongst, uh, amongst those who are, yeah, you know, who are also, whether it's violent, whether mm. it's uh, you know in, engaging in illegal activities or whatever it may be, so I, do you I, think? Sorry, if I yeah, can ask, do you think that the um the transition from J Dub to SDA? Do you think that rocked your worldview in any way that made you um, like? Because obviously, if you you said you were pretty committed to the J Dub yeah. message, do you think that um yeah that that sort of change in that rapid change or sudden change, perhaps from your perspective, impacted um what went forward or to a degree, to a degree mm-hmm. um. There were some amazing people in in the in the J Dub Church. Like mm. they, we were sort of because we were the poor family. We were sort of like the you know background characters mm. amongst the church. But there were still some really beautiful people in there. And I was dedicated mm. to the message. I felt like because I started when I was I was about eight until mm. I was sixteen. So I, mm. I was conditioned to think that if my mum left, then God would forget us like we were, we were worldly yeah, now. Wow. so i was freaking out of my mum leaving because it's 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 it doesn't work out well for anybody that that separates themselves mm. from from the movement mm. um, when we became sdas um, i was very apprehensive to say mm. the least because it was very different to mm. what i was used to mm. um you know kneeling to prayer there's no kneeling to pray i thought these guys like man these guys are weird like i, I thought <laughs> it, was, it was so strange to see people on their knees praying or, or mm-hmm. you know like uh you know preaching with passion you know yeah and, wow and it was it was really eye-opening and the thing was is that that day that i went to church 
for the first time because that how we became SDAs is is absolutely incredible in itself. But when when we finally be, uh, went to the church, um, I knew like I, I walked out of there. This is me. This is Aaron when he's in the middle of his you know teenage crisis, as it were. Yeah, and I was very, very like I said, I was an angry young man. So yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of seeing like a bit of a double life here because it's you know you've got your faith and your beliefs and your belief yeah. in the message on one side, and then your identity amongst you know less than say you know mm. sur- savory circumstances yeah. and and amongst individuals like that, and it's you know you're kind of in the middle of it. And it's like yeah. where, where do I go? What do I believe? I was very fortunate that a lot of my boys were Christians themselves. Like yeah, we all came wow. from broken homes, okay. so we we always we had. We had a deep understanding of who God is, mm. but we just didn't live the life. Sure, um, yeah. and so we well, were doing things that were actually like in the back of our head. Oh man, I, I don't know if we should be doing this kind of thing. Yeah, and so I was a loud conscience that we'd keep quiet mm. um, at the time. Yeah, and so then you take that step, and you know you become your family becomes Seventh Day Adventist and and whatnot. For you personally, what? was this the steps there in terms of your own life you know you're identifying with these people now you're identifying in a in quite a different way you know yeah. living in, in mm. and uh studying to be a minister and whatnot how did that how did those steps go into your into church life and into a life outside of gangs and whatnot yeah so i i left that kind of thing officially when i was about 22 23 okay mm. and i've it was like one of those things where you you know the cliche is that you hit rock bottom yeah, so okay. my life was spiraling like really severe. my son had just been born my, my son's iron he was just born and I didn't want him around the life that I grew up with for sure mm. I didn't want him around that so I separate I moved to a different suburb mm. um, my, my whole family we uprooted my mum my sisters um, my son's mum at the time and we all left mm. and um, you know I wanted to start something brand new and I knew I didn't want him growing up around that stuff sure mm. so um you know, implementing things like I, I started just reading scripture by myself. Had yeah. no clue, just wanted to know. And um, it was just like a, a progressive thing, um, mm. uh, just trying to work out for, my, for myself. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I'd love to know because you, you begin reading scripture and I imagine like church attendance and engagement in the community mm. eventually is coming along with that. Yeah. What was the decision then to feel the calling of being a minister and, oh, and coming goodness. to study. That was huge. Like, it, I never want, like, I always wanted to be working, do something for God, but yeah. um, I couldn't speak publicly. Like, I was terrified to get up and talk in front of people. Mm. So what um what I ended up doing is that I just put myself in a position where I had no choice but to do it. Yeah. And so that, that was a place called Pindari in Brisbane. Mm. Um, and I, I learned to preach and everything out there. It was like a, a men's hostel. So a lot of them were just coming out of jail, yeah. uh, drug addicts, wow. stuff like yeah, that. Well. So they were, we were handing out food to them. I was a part of a non-denominational ministry mm. of uh, former bikies. Yeah. Um, wow. and, and so we would go out there and, and, and share, share our, you know, little bit of testimony and stuff. I get to preach for mm. maybe 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was just it was an incredible experience where I saw what God was doing for me and how it was impacting others. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, Yeah, no, this is this is what I want to do, this is what I want to be. So it was something that was always in the back of my head. And mm. so so like becoming a minister and wanting to be a part of ministry and stuff like that, it was always something passionate that I wanted to do in the future. Amazing. Cool. And I'd love to know what what uh what led to the what what was the step of then Moving down to Kurumbong and starting at Avondale. 
it's like okay you, you you're engaged in in some some activities and then it's like okay now when does when does the rubber meet the road mm. like i'm gonna begin my studies yeah look i i'm not an academic yeah. like i'm definitely not an academic i i have the attention span of a bull ant so when i wanted to <laughs> i'd always been told to come here yeah um and i i flat out refused i'm like no no i don't want to do this blah, yeah. blah, blah. but i wasn't uh wasn't too long before my old pastor in geelong uh, Pastor Jeremy, he and his wife encouraged me to actually give um, Avondale a shot. Mm. So um, I, I ended up studying online first, yeah, and then um, and then uh, I think yeah, that, nearly a year to the day I, I moved out here on my own mm. first, and then my family mm. followed me in, in April. Mm. Oh, amazing! Well. Now you're here in the community, you know, and as as theology students, you know, being mm. involved with churches, we have to do pracs and 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 placement and whatnot, and yeah. and uh, in the community and and on that journey. And I, I think what's beautiful about your story as well is that you don't come from the perfect background. And I, I think mm. what is so interesting as well, like f- for us, for Brett and myself, like mm. we come from a completely like agnostic or faith, you know, sec- faithless or secular kind of area. Whereas mm. you've come from a broken home. You grew up interacting with Christians, but also interacting with those in very tough yeah. and difficult circumstances. Mm. And now uh, you have the ability to, to go out and to minister to, yeah. to those people. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's, it's beautiful. Hey, we've got about, you know, 40 Seconds left. Is there anything you want to leave with us? Uh, look, yes, you're you're absolutely right on on the on the life that you know that I had, right? And, yeah. And, and, mm. and what God had done. But if anyone out there has gone through something similar or is going through something similar, just understand that God will never be finished with you. Yeah. If you if you have a willing heart to do what it is that He wants you to do, yeah. He will not quit until it's mm-hmm. complete. You know, you mm-hmm. can fight it all you want. But at the end of the day, like if you're willing to do God's work and you you know you want to turn uh, your life around, He is more than happy to do so. Amen. Oh, nah, yeah. that that is powerful. That's the that's the testimony of your life and of so many others as well. The mm. way that God can work to change people. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.